It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're going to go back to our bracketology and get you ready for the upcoming event that we have. It is going to be who is the greatest A&M athlete of all time. This could be in any sport. This could be in any moment. We're going to, of course, focus a lot on football because there's at least probably 35 to 40 players that we can just put in from football. But there's also some basketball talent and some baseball talent that is definitely deserving of the praise. We're going to focus today on the basketball side of it. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M audio related part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You can check out all of our great content at LockedOnPodcast.com slash T-A-M-U. Second, All Aggies SI. All Aggies, part of Sports Illustrated, have partnered together with the Locked On Podcast Network to give you quality content surrounding everything Texas A&M, both written, visual, and audio. You can check out all of our great podcasts and great written work at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And last but not least, if you like me, if you like what I'm doing, if you think I have a good sense of what I'm talking about, maybe have some things that you maybe want to hear change, it's simple. All you got to do is follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am a mister. My name is Cole Thompson. It's that simple. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Like we do with every show, we'll focus the pinpoint stuff in the second and third part, but we want to get to a little bit more NFL free agency. And while there's still a ton of AM players on the market, such as Michael Bennett and Jermaine Urfetti, we already know that one player will definitely be going back to a city that knows him quite well. And that was Ryan Tannehill. The former Texas A&M quarterback who was once a wide receiver drafted by the Miami Dolphins with the 8th overall selection in the 2012 NFL Draft has signed a 4-year $118 million deal to return to the Music City as the Titans quarterback, pairing with Derrick Henry for the future of the organization. Henry was used with the franchise tag, and with the release of Jack Conklin and the trade of Jarrell Casey, they're hopefully going to be able to find a way to make a salary big enough to meet the running back's needs for the future, as he was the league-leading rusher. But a lot of the focus has been on Tannehill, because of even though his numbers were solid, he went 7-3 as a quarterback as the starter for the remainder of the season of 2019, He threw for over 2,700 yards and had 22 touchdowns. A lot of people were speculant of giving a guy who has shown average to maybe slightly above average qualities at the position and has had multiple injured-ridden seasons a deal over $100 million. But... In a recent interview with Jim Wyatt of TitansOnline.com, a former Hall of Fame coach actually stated that he believes that this deal will work in favor of the Titans because of Tannehill got something he never had in Miami. And that's confidence. Former Pittsburgh Steelers head coach and now Hall of Famer Bill Cowher actually spoke with Wyatt earlier this week about the new deal that's coming forward for Tannehill. And in it, he said that Tannehill looks the part to be a quarterback who can win. 
He looks like a guy who has his confidence back, Cower said of Tannehill. When you watch him, you see he is playing loose, and I think it's a continuing to grow as a quarterback. Ryan came into the National Football League with one year at the quarterback position and with high expectations. He still is understanding the game, and the longer you're in it, the better you're going to be. I think Ryan now has a better grasp, a greater feel for the concepts of this game that he's ever had. And he has created a lot of confidence. He is in a very good system. Tannehill led the league with a 117.5 rating in 2019, and he helped guide the Titans to a pair of playoff wins on the road, both at New England against Tom Brady and at Baltimore against the Ravens, led by 2019 MVP Lamar Jackson. When he came in, the Titans' offense completely changed. He guided them to a 9-4 finish as the starter, if you include the playoff wins, since taking over full-time in Week 7. You also look at what he's done. He really is exactly what you want for a quarterback if you're going to rely on the run game, which is why I think they agree to this big-time deal. I think Ryan's in a good system, and I definitely think he can sustain it, Cower would go on to say. I think the system in Tennessee really fits him, and I think a lot of the pressure is off him from being a high draft choice. And I think he was supposed to be the savior or the next Dan Marino in Miami. Sometimes I think it's a good to get a second chance, and now he has that in Tennessee, and it's going well for him. Tannehill was named the Comeback Player of the Year by the Associated Press following the 2019 season, where he set the franchise mark for completion percentage at 70.3, which was the third best in the NFL. In addition to the AP award, Tannehill was also selected as both the 2019 Comeback Player of the Year and the 2019 Most Improved Player of the Year by the Pro Football Writers of America. He would also go on to nab his first Pro Bowl appearance, and while he didn't play much, he took over for Patrick Mahomes, who beat them in the AFC Championship on their way to a Super 54 title game. I look at this, and whenever you have a guy who has been proven to win, Bill Cowher, that's all he did in Pittsburgh, he won. I don't know why you don't like this. I mean, for me personally, I get it. He's 31, he's injured, like he has injuries, he's never been that elite player, but when you look at all the deals that are set aside, yeah, $63 million if he stinks for a year and then you go ahead and you have to go look at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year, all I see is just there's potential. You already know that the offense is based around Derrick Henry in Tennessee. That's what I think the main point is. They're going to run the ball. 25, 30 times a game, and they're going to have to draft a running back to pair with Henry for the future because of they released Deion Lewis earlier this week. But you're running the ball. That's it. And then you're relying on Tannehill to keep the ball rolling. I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, $114 million is a lot to hand off the ball 30 times a game. But if he is to improve and they go draft, say, an offensive lineman in the first round with that 29th pick, or move up to go get one of the big-time names out of the top five guys. Well, you have your replacement for Conklin. You still have a pretty decent offensive line overall. You're not really losing out on much. You're keeping a lot of the players in check. I don't see this as a big-time loss for Tannehill at all. The offensive line is still pretty dang good. You have weapons in Adam Humphreys. I think even, you know, A.J. Brown's a is a going to be a rising star. I think even Corey Davis isn't that bad, and you could hopefully find his rhythm this year. But overall, 
everything about this deal, I like. I have no problem with the Tannehill news. And when you have the backing support from a guy like Cower, who is very well respected in the league, he's very well respected around people who work in NFL media. He's very well adjusted to the game. And he really did a fantastic job with the early success of Ben Roethlisberger. He won a Super Bowl. He's done his part. I just look at this and I say, okay, all this aside, this looks better and better for the former Aggie at the next level. He will be featured. Tannehill will be featured on our 68-man playoff, and we will be breaking that down next week. But we got to start naming some more names. So who are some guys that we think could be making it? We already named, I think, about 35 names in football. We're going to have to, unfortunately, probably add some more because basketball, yeah, there's been players who are good, but there's still some who are better. But we're going to take a look at some of the best NBA players and best former Aggie players in general who spent time at College Station when we come back in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat. And guys, let me get your question on something. Do you like quality content surrounding all sports for your favorite sports team by people who actually know what they're talking about? If so, why not give Locked On Aggies and all the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network a try? Whether it's talking hoops around the NBA, talking ice around the NHL, hitting the batter's box around MLB, or dogging it out in the NFL, we got you covered. Plus, we have over two dozen college sports shows that cover both the NBA, our college basketball, college football, and other college sports for your listening ears. So give us a try at LockedOnPodcast.com. As we were talking about earlier, we are going to start doing a breakdown of all players and finding out which one will be crowned the greatest Texas A&M athlete of all time. We got to keep the bracket still alive in some capacity. And you know what? While Texas A&M probably wasn't going to go to the NCAA tournament, they were going to go to the NIT. So no matter what, we're going to make sure we get you the proper bracket out there. Hopefully we can get to 64 teams. Hopefully we can get to 64 athletes. That is the main goal. But right now we are definitely going to do our best to make sure we at least have 32. And we could easily get 32. But no matter what, we are planning to do that bracket starting Monday. So come back when we have our official rankings up for you to decide and decipher. But for now, why don't we take a look at some of the greatest basketball players of all time. Now, here's the thing. We know that football has dominated in the world of College Station and really the SEC. But because Texas A&M is located in the Lone Star State, it is a pinnacle part of the culture. I mean, I remember growing up here and by three years old, I knew exactly what a football was. That's just how I was raised. That's how a lot of people were raised in Texas. It was 1996 at the time And I don't remember much, but I know that the Dallas Cowboys had won a Super Bowl and everyone was partying like it was the end of the year because of how dominant football is. But in recent years, basketball has become a bigger and more popular sport, which leads us to some of the names we're going to mention right now. Let's start off with probably the biggest name to ever come out of Texas A&M's basketball program, and that's going to be DeAndre Jordan. 
Growing up in Houston, DeAndre Jordan would play for two high schools. First, Episcopal High School, where throughout his junior year, he would average 16.5 points, 14 rebounds, and 7 blocks before transferring to Christian Life Center Academy for his final season, where he averaged a high of 26.1 points, 15.2 rebounds, and 8.1 blocks per game. He was awarded a third-team parade All-American and was a first-team All-Greater Houston squad member, according to the Houston Chronicle, making it as a two-time All-State selection. He posted a career high of 37 points in a game during his time at CLC. Coming out of high school, he was ranked the number eight overall prospect and the number two center in the country. He had a ton of offers, including Florida, Florida State, Indiana, Texas A&M, LSU, Kentucky, and multiple others. In the end, he wanted to stay close to home, so he chose to go to College Station. Uh, Now, while he could have ended up transferring to Kentucky because Billy Gillespie left the program in College Station to go there, he decided to honor his commitment to the university. He started in 21 of 35 games as a freshman for the Aggies. He averaged 20 minutes per game and 1.3 blocks. In those games, he shot a team-high 61.7% in field goals, but he also had a team low of 43.7% at the free throw line. He made the All-Big 12 rookie team, and after one season, he elected to declare for the 2008 NBA Draft. Prior to the draft, draft uh, experts said that they was had some weaknesses in his game, uh, including he wasn't as productive and he had poor fundamentals, mediocre footwork, and he just really wasn't the guy. A lot of people thought that he was going to be a outside the lottery pick, kind of in that playoff range. Some had him going as high as number 10 to the New Jersey Nets, now the Brooklyn Nets, or number 11 Indiana Pacers. Uh, The majority, though, said that he was probably going to be one of the very last picks of the first round, going to a team like the Memphis Grizzlies. He would get drafted with the 35th overall pick by the Los Angeles Clippers in 2008, and from there, his career kind of was pretty spectacular, at least to this point. He was an NBA All-Star in 2017. He is a two-time NBA third-team member from 2015 to 2017. He was a two-time defensive first-team member in 2015 and 16. Two-time big, uh, two-time NBA rebounding leader in 2014 and 2015. He has made it to the Olympic team twice, and he has made it to the World Championship team once in 2007. He's played for multiple teams, including a 10-year career with the Los Angeles Clippers, a two-year stint with the Dallas Mavericks before going to be a mid-trade selection to the New York Knicks, and then spending the last two years with the Brooklyn Nets. Overall, I think DeAndre Jordan is probably going to be the greatest basketball player to ever come through A&M, even though his time was limited. But you have to look at those stats and... He's done pretty well representing the Aggies at the next level. You look at his numbers, he's had a career high of field goal percentage of 67%. He's played in over 800 games. He's averaged 28.2 minutes per game. His three-throw shooting is going to be terrible, but you don't expect that from centers. Uh, He still has struggled with his free throw percentage of only 46%. But he's averaging 10-point rebounds per game for his career, 9 assists per game, Uh, And then you also have at least, uh, what is it, about two blocks per game. And he's averaging about 10 points per game. He's been to the playoffs a total of six times. And he had pretty good numbers when he was with the Clippers. 
I think that Jordan is going to be the big name to watch for, but there definitely are some other names out there. So why don't we go ahead and we just focus in on DeAndre Jordan because we know that he's going to be the name that probably wins a lot of talk and conversation about AM, but there are some other players that definitely deserve some recognition, and we'll be breaking down them in just a quick moment. Guys, let me ask you a quick question. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertising that Locked On does to reach sports fans. But what you may not know is Locked On Aggies is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Texas A&M fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique quality to reach local podcast listeners. Not any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to partner with the Aggie fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. So text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit us at lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and we look forward to hearing from you. Gig him, y'all. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and last but certainly not least, at Locked on Aggies. As we're doing, we're continuing this trend of players who we think could be in the running for the greatest A&M athlete of all time. We're doing basketball today, and we already mentioned who probably the biggest name of all time is for the program. It would be DeAndre Jordan, one of the best recruits to ever come out of the great state of Texas when it comes to basketball and he's made a pretty solid career for himself since joining the NBA bouncing around but there are some other names that we're going to mention we're going to focus on these three because they're probably the biggest names in program history right now and we'll talk about some other guys later but probably the second best name that you ever heard of is Chris Middleton for the Milwaukee Bucks he was a three-star Shooting guard coming in at six foot seven, two hundred and seventeen. When he committed to Texas A&M in two thousand eight, out of Charleston, South Carolina, he was recruited by assistant coach Scott Spinelli. Coming into his freshman year, he was expected to be a big part of the three point shooting that singer Josh Carter was known for. During Milton's career, it started off slow. He connected on only one of twelve field goals in limited action to begin his first three games. Texas A&M ended his season, his first season in the round of 32 against Purdue. He would finish with an average of 7.2 points, 3.7 rebounds per game, and led the team in scoring five times. During his sophomore year, he kind of picked things up a little bit. He was scoring 14.3 points per game while also contributing in the rebound agenda with 5.2 rebounds per game. He hit 45% of his shots from the floor and had a 78.4 free throw percentage he was scored in excess of 10 points or more in 27 games and led the team in scoring 16 time they would go to a 29 and 4 record losing in the first round of the tournament to florida state 57 to 50 prior to his junior season mark tupo would take a job out in the university of maryland who would be replaced by billy kennedy of murray state 
He would be listed on the preseason wooden award. Despite the preseason, AM finished with a 14-8 record, going 4-4 in the Big 12. This was the final year of their journey in the Big 12. He would then declare for the NBA draft following that. Uh, he was kind of really down. He only played 12 games that year, and he averaged 13.2 games and 5 rebounds per game during that time period. He was drafted with the 39th overall pick by the Detroit Pistons. He would be assigned to the Fort Wayne Mad Ants of the NBA Developmental League and was traded a year later for Brandon Knight. And ever since then, he has been a staple point of the Milwaukee Bucks offense. When you look at what he's done, four trips to the playoffs, but for his career, he's averaged over 22 minutes per game. He has a field goal percentage of 45%, three-point percentage of 47%, uh, rebounds, he's averaging about three, averages 12.5 points per game for his career, and three assists. In the playoffs, he's been a little bit better, 44% from the range. He's also had a 45% from the field goal range, 85% from his field goal percentage. He was also an all-star this past year, uh, and he really was a staple point for a while. He's now kind of finally figuring out exactly what it takes to be in the NBA, and he should have a pretty promising career. I mean, when you look at players who come out early, you wonder how long their career is going to be, but he's only 28 years old. I mean, so he has time to really figure things out before it's his later years in basketball. Basketball is one of those weird sports where you can be 23 and retired. I mean, that, that, that's just kind of the legality of it. Coming in next, we're going to go with AC Law. A lot of people remember him for one big game, but he had a pretty decent career when you look at what he did for AM. Probably best remembered for his time during that big game against Texas. But growing up in Dallas, Texas, he would lead his team at Kimball High School to a 29-7 record and the state class 5A championship game. He was elected to the Dallas Morning News All-Area Team. He would eventually sign with A&M, although the Aggies were an underdeveloped team during his first year. He would play in all 27 games. He would start in 12. He averaged 3.96 that ranked 8th in the conference. He also led the team in assist-to-turnover ratio with 2%. The second year, he would uh, lose his coach, Melvin Watkins, he would then be replaced by Billy Gillespie, who came in insisting that the Aggies could win basketball. Then you look at what happened. They went from a 7-21 team to a 21-10 team, winning half of their conference games and earning an invitation to the NIT. Law started in 30 games, earning a spot on the Big 12's all-improved team. He would finish with a 71% completion percentage from the 3 throw line. He also had a team best 153 assists, which ranked third in the Big 12. He also scored in the double digits 20 games that year. As a junior, Law became one of only four AM players in history to reach the 1,000 career point mark with 300 assists and 100 steals. He led the team in scoring, averaging 16.1 points overall and 17.3 points in Big 12 play, also picking up 3.4 rebounds and 4 assists. In those games, he had at least 5 assists when the team was 10-2. He also would help AM secure their first spot in the NCAA tournament since 1987, 
They would fall. They would win the first round matchup against Syracuse with Law contributing 23 points. They would actually fall just short of missing the Sweet 16 against LSU when Law would hit a jumper to give the Aggies a 70, 57 to 55 point lead. But Darren Mitchell would make a three pointer to win the game for LSU during that time. Senior year, of course, everyone remembers this. This was the game. It was a historic moment on February 3rd, 2007. Law's Aggies became the first Big 12 South team in 32 attempts to ever beat the number six Kansas Jayhawks at the Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas led for most of the game, but Law scored 10 of AM's final 13 points to secure a victory for the Aggies and was named the Big 12 Player of the Week. Two days later, the team would beat the then number 25 Texas, their 21st straight home game win, uh, making them the sole leader of the Big 12. Although forced to leave with three minutes left in the game after hitting the floor, Law earned 21 points and a school record 15 assists in the 100-82 victory. That still is a record that is hold by Law. From there, he'd bounce around from the NBA team, from NBA team. Uh, he was taken with the 11th overall pick in the 2007 NBA draft by the Atlanta Hawks. He would then be traded to the Golden State Warriors in 2009, traded a year later to the Charlotte Bobcats for Steven Jackson, traded later at the trade deadline to the Chicago Bulls, then traded that offseason to the Memphis Grizzlies before going back and signing a deal with the Golden State Warriors to finish out his NBA career, he then would go play over in the European League for a little bit. This is a guy who I think when you look at just straight up numbers at AM, this is the person you think of. And last before we go, we're going to fo focus in on Alex Caruso. This is a name that's been starting to build some traction in the NBA he started off his career slow, but now he's kind of getting there. You look at his numbers, he had 37 career games there. He had a 50% field goal percent shooting, 36% from the three-point range, a 78% free throw percentage, averaged a career 8.1 points per game. Uh, he rapidly has improved since his time in the NBA. He's played in a total of 62 games. He's had 11 starts. He's averaging 17.6 minutes per game shooting 43.9% from the field goal range, 39% from the free throw, 76% uh, from the free throw line, my bad, 39% from the three-point line, averaging 5.9 points per game. He recently signed a two-year contract worth $5.5 million with the Los Angeles Lakers. There'll be some other names we'll focus in on, but that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at AggiesSI, and last but not least, at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, we will be looking at the best baseball players to ever come from AM, finishing up our bracketology, and then laying out the list of how we're going to get this done. That will start Monday, so you don't want to miss that show. And while you're at it, why not go ahead and just listen to another great podcast such as the Locked On SEC, the Locked On ACC, and of course, Locked On College Football with Jordan Reed. Go check out all of those great podcasts at LockedOnPodcast.com. But until next time, we'll see you then. And remember, give me all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.